preaching through the Gospel of Luke, and this is week 27 through the Gospel of Luke. Praise the Lord for his word, and praise the Lord for, for a, a congregation that longs to hear the word of the Lord. So last week, we were looking at the, uh, the feeding of the 5,000. The crowd was gathered because the Gospel of the Kingdom touched them to the very core of their human life. We were created for kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven living. We were created for something more than what we experience in this life apart from Christ. We were created for spiritual fulfillment, created for more, created for life and love and healing and purpose, created for for divine image bearing of God, created for more than the brokenness that we see that we experience around us. I love the quote by C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity, that if you've never read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, pick it up and read it. Um, But I love this quote. He says, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another self-desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Our desires never satisfy. Our hunger is never filled, right? Our thirst is never quenched. We strive and we strive, and the writer of Ecclesiastes tells us that we strive and we strive and we strive, and it's a chasing after the wind fulfilled, we're never satisfied, that apart from Christ Jesus, everything is in vain. Vanity, vanity, everything is vanity, everything is empty, meaningless. Apart from Christ, our satisfactions are never met. That's why Jesus promises to fill our hunger and to give us never-ending water to those that seek him. Jesus can we find true satisfaction? Only in Jesus can our questions be answered. Only in Jesus that our, can our fear, fears be calmed and our, our, our doubts assuaged. It's only in Jesus that we discover and realize the life that we were truly created for and how we were created to live. And I tell you, we were created for so much more than what we settled for. your Bible. We're in Luke chapter 9, picking up at verse 18. Created for who? It says, while he was praying in private, his disciples were with him, and he asked them who this crowd said that I am. Now, this is just after he had fed the crowds, the 5,000. He had just fed them. He had worked a miracle. He had fed the 5,000 men plus women and children and the disciples with, with five loaves of bread and two fish. He had worked an amazing miracle. And the crowds were, were, were full and, and went away full. And now Jesus looks at the disciples. He's been praying, seeking the Father. And he says, who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered. They said, John the baptizer, others Elijah, others, still others. One of the ancient prophets has come back. 
Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, Christ, you are God's Messiah. Who do the crowds say that I am? Jesus again had been praying. He had been communing with the Father and Jesus sees the crowds and he knows that they've been following him. And he asked the disciples about what the crowd's thoughts are about himself. And of course, we just read it. Some say, Jesus, some say that you're John the baptizer, come back. That some say that you're Elijah, come back. Some say that you're another one of the ancient prophets who has, who has come back to restore the kingdom of Israel. You, you've come back to, to bring restoration. Who do the crowds say I am? See, those who don't know Jesus personally, those who haven't experienced transformation and forgiveness, through Jesus, those who don't know Jesus personally have mischaracterized him, they've misunderstood him, they have misapplied him, they have done it throughout history. Critics often ask, how can Christianity be any better than any other religion? Of all the religions in the world, how can Christianity be the only one that's true? If God exists, the crowds would say, can't God use different religions? Don't all paths lead to God? But here's what we know in reality is that religions contradict each other. And if, the different, if religions contradict each other, they can't all be true. Mormonism teaches that there are many gods in existence and that you can become a god. Christianity teaches that there's only one God and that you cannot become that God. Islam teaches that Jesus was not God in the flesh. Christianity teaches that God became man and dwelt among us, took on flesh. Islam says that Jesus cannot be both God and man at the same time. Some religions teach that we reincarnate, while others teach that we don't. Some teach that we're all gods or can become gods. They cannot all be true, and if they cannot all be true, it cannot be true that all religions lead us to the one true God. Only in Jesus do we find the truest of all understandings of the human condition and only in Jesus do we find the truest revelation of God himself. Only in Jesus. Here's the truth about the human condition that we see in Jesus as revealed in scripture. The truth about the human condition is this, that we are broken, we are messy, we are needy, and we are sinful. And the church said, amen. And no matter how good we are, we are still selfish, still conceited and we are still ugly and we are some like myself more than others right and we are still broken the truth is this church the truth is that we need something greater than ourselves to get us out of the mess that we have made we need a greater doctor to mend our souls we need a greater designer to rebuild us from our brokenness we need a and fix our hearts. We need a greater king to rule our kingdoms. We need a greater savior than we can be to ourselves. We need 
Jesus. Who does the crowd say I am? Well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're one of the prophets. Some say you're John. But we need Jesus. We don't need another one of the prophets as powerful and as wonderful and as and as as they fulfilled their mission. They still could not save. We don't need the prophet. We need the one and only Jesus. Why do we need Jesus? Because Jesus is the Christ. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? If the crowds say I'm a prophet, who do you say I am? Jesus asked them and Peter answered, you are God's Messiah. God's Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the chosen one, the prophesied one. See, the prophets didn't prophesy themselves. They prophesied for one who was to come. That's why the prophets won't suffice. That's why we need the Christ. We need Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the only King forever. That's what Messiah means. He is the promised King. says, but he strictly warned them and instructed them to tell this to no one, saying, it is necessary that the Son of Man suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and be raised on the third day. And he said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. For what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of, of him when he comes in his glory and that of the Father and the holy angels. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. If we're going to follow the, the Christ, we're going to have to follow the way of the cross. So what is the way of the cross? The first thing, if you're taking notes this morning, the way of the cross is this, denial of self. Denial of self. If we're going to follow the way of the cross, we have to know that it requires 
expects something from us. Remember, we were made for something more. We were created for kingdom of heaven living. We were created for gospel, spiritual fulfillment. We were created for more, created for life and love and healing and purpose and divine image bearing, created for more than the brokenness we see and experience around us. We were created for what cannot be realized by living for less sinful desires only temporarily satisfy. Our sinful desires only temporarily satisfy. Scripture tells us that the sin is pleasurable for a season, but it will not ultimately satisfy. It will leave you even selfish desires only temporarily satisfy and we were not created to be temporarily satisfied we were created to be eternally satisfied and so when we try to satisfy what can only be satisfied by the eternal but yet we try to satisfy with temporary things that are temporary we end up more frustrated lost, more broken, more more confused, more disheartened, because we're trying to feel what we can't feel on our own. And so until you are satisfied in Jesus, you will not understand how much unsatisfactory temporary satisfaction is. You will think that you are satisfied, but then the next week or the next weekend or the next day, you're trying to fill that satisfaction again. You're trying to fill that emptiness again. You are still just as unsatisfied because you're satisfying it with the wrong things. It's an eternal satisfaction that you long for, but you cannot satisfy it with temporary things. It's until you discover the eternal satisfaction that comes from a relationship with Jesus will you discover how poor the temporary satisfaction satisfy. That's why we're called to live holy lives. Because we know that eternal satisfaction is ahead. It's why we say no to the works of the flesh. It's why we say no to the lust of the eyes. It's why we say no to the pride of life. It's why we submit our anger and our and our pride and our thoughts and our bitterness and our sexuality and our hatred. It's why we, we surrender those things and submit those things to God. It's because we know that as long as we hold on to them, as long as we try to find satisfaction within those things, we will be broken and lost. But when we submit them to Jesus, we discover a satisfaction that we could not conjure up on our own. Eternal satisfaction matters more than temporary. 
I'll say that again. Eternal satisfaction matters more than temporary pleasure. You guys know the story of Esau, right, in the Old Testament? Esau and his brother, Jacob. Esau was the older brother. Esau was the rightful heir of his father's inheritance, the firstborn blessing. He was the rightful heir of that blessing. Esau, Esau traded away his inheritance, that rightful inheritance, the inheritance that he was going to receive, he traded what was to come for what was right in front of him. He traded away his inheritance for a bowl of soup. He was hungry. and don't bring 
flesh you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. If you live according to the flesh, the passions and the pleasures and the temporary satisfaction Philippians chapter 2. Are you ready? If then, because of the Bible, 
means any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility considers consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose, do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like the stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life, then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing, but even I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with all of you in the same way you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Living in light of Christ's death means living the way of the cross, living in humility, living in grace, living in mercy, living in love, living to up others above yourself. Are you following Jesus' death? Are you living in light of Jesus' death? Then thirdly, living in light of Jesus' resurrection. What does it mean to live in the light of Jesus' resurrection? I think it means to live in the same power, to live in the power of the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Living in light of the resurrection means to live in the power of the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. It means living in hope and purpose and mission and power. Some of you this morning would say, I feel kind of hopeless. I feel like I have lost my mission. I feel like I don't understand purpose. And I feel like I do not have any strength to keep going. This morning, I would remind you, live in light of Jesus Jesus rose from the grave, there is hope for you. You may not feel very strong this morning, but let me remind you, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive and working inside of you. Live in light of the resurrection of Jesus. Romans 8, starting at verse 11, and the spirit of him if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal 
himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children and if, God, Christ, and if, and if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. Listen, living in light of the resurrection means living supernaturally empowered to do the things God has called you to do, to be the person God has called you to be, to walk in the obedience God has called you to walk in, to walk in the peace God has called you to walk in, to walk in the hope God has called you to walk in. Living in light of the resurrection means understanding that the power that was working in Jesus' lifeless body to raise him from the grave is now working in you. Think about that for a second. The power that raised Jesus' lifeless body from the grave is now working in you. There is hope, there is strength, there is purpose for you to get up and keep living as ambassadors for the kingdom of Christ because Christ is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Following Jesus in light of the resurrection means that death, defeat, or the devil do not have the final say. I'll say it again. Following Jesus in light of the resurrection means that death, defeat, or the devil do not have the final say. Following Jesus in light of the resurrection means that neither death, hell, or the grave are your masters. Living in light of the resurrection means recognizing that nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. If the Spirit raised Jesus up from the dead, then death cannot stand in the way of God's love for you. Romans 8, picking it back up, verse 37, no. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, I am convinced, I believe wholeheartedly that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Living, living in light of the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Are you following Jesus in resurrection? Changes everything this morning. You are more than a conqueror because of Jesus' resurrection. Nothing can stop God's love because of Jesus' resurrection. Neither angels or demons or principalities or powers or famine or nakedness, no trial or tribulation, nothing present, nothing to come, not even gas prices can stand in the way of God's love for you. Living in light of the resurrection changes everything. So now we've got this Understanding then that if we cannot live for temporary pleasures because they won't satisfy, the only thing that will satisfy then is following Jesus and living in light of Jesus, then we recognize. 
wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life because of me will save it. For what does it benefit someone if he gains the world and yet loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in glory, and that of the Father and the holy angels. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they sing the, see the kingdom of God. This is the promise, church. Kingdom life. Eternal kingdom life. But life now. Life that satisfies eternally because you have learned the way of the cross. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. Back in the day when I was when I was uh, over disciplined behavioral intervention specialist in the school that I worked in. One of the things that I made the students do when they had to come to me was I had some quotes across in my room. And they had to they had to copy the quote and then they had to write a paper on what the quote means. chosen was this quote by C.S. Lewis. It's this. I love this quote. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get meat. I'll say it again. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth of this life. You end up losing yourself, forfeiting your very soul. Striving and fighting and searching for meaning but never finding it. But living for Jesus, living for his words and his life and his glory, that brings eternal happiness but it makes the of us with a choice. Do we live for this world or do we live for the kingdom? Each of us must decide. Each of us must choose. The cross and the kingdom or self and the world. The cross self and the world. Only one of those leads us to where and to whom we will actually find this one that's the kingdom. It's your choice. It's a choice each one of us must 
going to start with this this morning. Because I don't want to leave today without giving you an opportunity. That if you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, as this one that was bombed, if you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior from this morning, I want you to Pastor Brock, I am not living in obedience to Christ. I am in rebellion. I am living a life of sin. And I need to be forgiven of my sin. I want to follow you, Jesus Christ. I want to receive him and accept him as my Savior, as Papa. To forgive me of my sin. Yeah. 